Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories. I'm your host Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people and others in the autism community to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. When adults first contact me at Autism Personal Coach, they are wary about our initial contact because as autistic people, they've constantly been battling with negative judgments in their lives and they don't want this to be another negative experience. I think it it rarely is. However, these negative judgments for those on the spectrum so often start at the very beginning of their lives with just how they play. Evelyn Welton joins me today to talk about the negative stereotypes around autistic play and what her organization Awesome is doing to change that. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Evelyn, thanks so much for joining us on Autism Stories. Thanks for having me, Doug. I wanted to start out by learning where does your story in the autism community begin? autistic until I was 37 so that's like seven years ago now I you know I suppose I didn't come across the, the autistic community I don't know I can't I don't have a like distinct memory of my first meeting with a, another autistic person online or anything but um you know I, I, I probably started reading things written by other autistic people within the first year um and I was quite lucky that um where I'm from in, in Ireland, in Cork, there's like a women, there was a women's group um, for women with Asperger's, whatever. So it was, you know, I, I kind of went along to that and, and that was like a, a really, I think, big part of me kind of reconnecting with myself after years of masking, of, you know, finding out, finding other people who were just like, oh, me too, you know, <laughs> me too. Just having lots and lots of shared experiences and, and figuring stuff out together, you know. So, yeah, so I suppose it began seven years ago. That's kind of the start of it obviously the, the real story began 44 years ago but we <laughs> time to get to all of that you know often um you know autistic people early, early in life whether they're diagnosed or, or not are told that they're doing things wrong and one of those things is just like really early in terms of how they will play how they'll play with toys you you recently wrote a, a really interesting article about about toys and lining things up in, in autistic play. What do you think is the reason why autistic children's play is so often criticized? I just think everything we do is criticized. I think that pe parents are kind of conditioned into thinking this is what, you know, well, you know, there are milestones, developmental milestones, this is what your child should be doing, we are constantly comparing our children to other children their age, there's a lot of pressure, you know, I mean, look at the amount of parenting books out there, you know, so parents are kind of, you know, I think first of all, 
made to feel like if your child isn't doing this, there's something wrong. And I think we have to start there. I always kind of start with the illusion of normal because that's kind of where all our problems come from. The idea that actually there's a kind of standard way for doing things or a correct way and or there's only one way. So when you're kind of bombarded with all of that kind of stuff through advertising and media and all the books and all the experts are telling you all of these things, you know, and then your child is doing something that's a little bit different, uh, you know, you're, you kind of think it, they're, they're doing something wrong. And that's what parents say, you know, they're like, I knew there was something wrong. Or, you know, I started looking up signs of autism because my child was lining twice up, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, there are lots of ways to play with toys, you know, <laughs> like what did children do before there was uh, Mattel, Fisher Price, you know, Lego, what, you know, how did we learn and develop before we had like mass marketing of toys? <laughs> Um, you know, and I think we have to look at that because, you know, kids played with sticks and stones. And if we look at, like, countries that aren't as, you know, well off as our countries, what are kids playing with? You know, they're playing with tires and things like this. So they're playing with things that they find in their environment. I don't think anyone has said, you know, well, if you pick up a stone, there's only one way to play with it. You know, so there's lots of different ways that you can play with a stone. There's lots of, you can throw it, you know what I mean? You can do lots of different things with it. But it's just, I don't, I, I think it's because of all of this kind of, I, I think it is probably to do with all this advertising around toys and kind of like what you're supposed to do with them. But um, also, if you look at, you know, how many parents will tell us that their kids on Christmas morning opened all the gifts and then played with the box. That's a pretty common story. You know, so are all the children playing with the boxes? Is there something wrong with their play skills? Do we need to send them to therapy because they're not playing with the toy? You know, and this is something parents say really casually. You know, they're always like, oh, they'll end up playing with the wrapping paper or the box. And lots of children do that because you know what? Maybe that's more interesting than the actual toy inside it. But again, it, it's just because we have these ideas of like around what's right and wrong and what's acceptable. And because people say, oh, my kid plays with the wrapping paper or the box, that seems to be acceptable because that's part of the accepted narrative. But a child lining up toys is, I don't know, a symptom of, of something terrible. But it's not, you know, <laughs> not at all. We have to look at the illusion that we've created for ourselves of what is normal or what is correct, you know, because... Um, that is really where all of our problems, I think, stem from. You, you make the point throughout uh, your article that so many things in life are, are lined up. A place that kids uh, you know, spend a lot of their time, maybe the majority of their days, is in schools. You, you mention uh, that desks are lined up and that there are even instructions by teachers to light up things such as having students light up in a single file line and leaving the classroom. What do you see as the difference between these things and children lining up their toys? Very little. <laughs> I'm laughing because I had so much fun writing it because the more I looked for examples, the more ridiculous it got. It was like everything in the world is lined up. We organize things. That's what we do as human beings, you know? I think um, the autistic child probably starts doing these things at a different time to maybe non-autistic kids. And, and that's the difference, because we are developing along different paths. So, you know, we're doing something at age three that a non-autistic kid isn't doing, and vice versa. But nobody is looking at that because of the 
negative narrative around autism and because of you know the deficit model it's always like well the child isn't doing this at three or at five but they're not looking at what that child is doing i had a conversation with a dad a few weeks ago about you know his nine month old because he was worried you know because parents do worry that their child might be autistic and instead of celebrating it which is what we should be doing <laughs> um, but he was you know he was kind of looking into autism because his nine month old baby basically a baby is still not nine, nine months was uh you know spinning the wheels on the buggy as opposed to you know playing with it like a buggy um and i was like wow nine months and she's doing that already like that's pretty impressive because that kid is like studying motion you know that kid is figuring out how these things work that kid is like already thinking kind of in a scientific way about their environment you know uh, but people don't think nine-month-olds can do that kind of thing, you know. So again, when you see a you know a child spinning, st st you know, spinning a wheel on, on a buggy instead of playing with it, um, in a conventional sense, you know, it's kind of there's an assumption that the child is just mindlessly sitting there looking at this wheel spinning around. And we have to. It's like well, nobody just like mindlessly sees things. You know, we process what we see. So why would an autistic child be any different? We're not just watching this thing going around. You know, there's a lot of processing going on behind behind that looking. So um, I think we need we really need to look at that. And I mean, yeah, what is this obsession with like people lining toys up, kids lining things up? Like it's the wrong thing to do. I think it's pretty amazing. If you think of like, some kids are like two, you know, and some kids are five, whatever, but they're like lining up like, you know, you've, you've probably seen lots of pictures, like parents sharing them on, on, on social media and stuff. Like, there's amazing, these beautiful spiral designs that kids do as well with their, it's not always like a straight line. But, you, you know, you'll see these twice lined up. And if you look really closely, like, there, there's a pattern to them. They're color coordinated. They could be like an order of size. Like, that shows a huge amount of skill and cognitive ability to be able to do that. Um... And it's just such a pity that people don't look at that in, in awe and are, you know, an appreciation and are like, wow, how is that kid able to do that? Uh, why isn't my two-year-old doing it? You know, uh, instead of just saying, oh, well, that's wrong. Uh, we need to teach them how to play properly. Because unfortunately, that, that's what's happening. And then you have kids who are like really learning and really interacting with their environment and doing things that, that is fun for them and makes them happy. And they are developing and developing a sense of themselves within this world because that's what we do through play. Uh, and then people are pulling them off to, 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 to play in a different way. And then you have them being you know, shipped off to therapy or you know to learn how to play in a non-autistic way. That's not the thing to do we should be able to let, letting kids play the way they that's it's a natural thing it comes from within it's the curiosity of making sense of the world around us so you know it's not something that needs to be taught but there is this kind of idea i think i think it goes back to like the whole idea of our, us lacking social skills which we don't um that if we don't learn to play with the dolly uh you know at three we're never going to have like a successful relationship at 25 or something you know, silly idea like that. <laughs> but I think it, that's kind of what it's about, you know, because it's all of these stereotypes thrown in that, like, 
autistic people lack social skills. Oh, well, that's because they don't learn how to, they don't play properly when they're kids. So if we teach them how to interact, and you know, with dolls and all these things and other kids, then they'll have these social skills. But again, that's all, you know, totally neither here nor there. That's all it's a lot of different nonsense just mixed up together. Now, I was, I was glad to hear you enjoyed um, writing this article so much because as, as I was reading through the article, I was just laughing, you know, it was, it, it felt very satirical to me. And, and, I, and it made me think a little bit about how um, humor, I mean, in my life, I use a lot of humor to kind of deal with kind of stressful things in, in um, you know, that things that are going on for me. So I was just wondering, um, how do you see humor for as something that's beneficial the autistic community? Well, I'm glad you laughed. I, I, I really like writing things, and then I kind of imagine other people <laughs> enjoying them, so it kind of adds to it. I see a lot of kind of satirical stuff written in by autistic people. I, I think it's, you know, again, this whole idea that we don't have sense of humor and all this kind of silly stuff. We, we do, and I think, you know, human beings use you know, humor, as you said, to kind of like um, cope with maybe stressful situations, you know, sometimes all you can do is laugh because, you know, <laughs> it is actually, you know, sometimes um, I think when I, you know, when I'm writing things that are quite serious or maybe when, you know, maybe my news feed is full of kind of maybe serious things, a lot, of, you know, it, it really does get me down, um, you know, and sometimes it feels like, oh, you know, we're just never going to change story around our existence we're never going to change the world enough uh, we're not going to do it fast enough so i think you know when i when it's i just think sometimes it's it's good to kind of put that energy into um something humorous and and also yeah i think there's like that payback when other people find it humorous as well you know like i love when i share things and, and people kind of you know even on facebook and things you know you have the like laughing comments mm -hmm. i just love them <laughs> i don't know it's just makes me feel good. <laughs> got to laugh. I think we we got to laugh, don't we? <laughs> we definitely need to laugh more. Hey, you you mentioned in your article that, um, and you satirically mentioned this, that apparently lining things up is contagious. Can you talk about maybe some other areas of our daily living where lining uh, things up can be found? <laughs> Yeah, it seems to be spreading everywhere. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. If you go into a supermarket, uh, you know, first of all, there's aisles. That's you know, where things are organized in lines. Then you've got shelves where everything's organized in rows. You know, if I'm, I live in the country, so I'm looking out the, my window here. There's, you know, a field where the crop has been cut there. But, you know, it was planted in rows, lining things up. If we, you know, in schools, you know, it's always like, Kids line up to single file. What about the army? You know, every like if you look, I can't think of like a single place where there things aren't lined up. Do you know what I mean? Maybe in the natural world, you know, maybe maybe it's a human thing that that's how we all have to kind of organize our world. It makes more sense to us that way. What happens? Do you think when things aren't lined up for autistic people? Well, you see, I kind of start most of my thinking with autistics are human. So, you know, all human beings would have difficulty if things weren't lined up. You know, if you went to the supermarket, whether you're autistic or not, and they just had everything randomly thrown on the floor, because there wouldn't be shelves either to line the stuff up on, you know, and you had, and you didn't have a list either, because that would be another thing, a lot of stuff up, you know, 
how would you, you know, how would you feel? How would your life be? How would you, you know, would you be able to do your shopping effectively? Or would you come out like after about two minutes just completely stressed? And that's a human reaction. You know what I mean? Human beings like order. We, we, we like, you know, things in order. Um, so I think an autistic response is just going to be a human response. Uh, you know, it's going to be pretty similar. Uh, you know, imagine if you drove, tried to drive to work one day and they just, oh, we won't bother with lanes. You're like, look at, you know, countries like <laughs> Italy where there's like no lanes. And all of a sudden, like, oh, I can't drive here. So, you know, we all need that kind of order. I think it makes us feel safe, you know, as, as humans. It kind of obviously makes life a bit more predictable as well, doesn't it? Mm. If we know where things are going to be, we know how they're going to be. Um, that's kind of the human need to feel safe and to make lives make our lives predictable, isn't it? And obviously, I think because autistic people then have higher rates of anxiety because of the way the world responds to us, um, uh, you know, then our need for order is maybe sometimes stronger. But again, that comes back to our levels of anxiety rather than kind of any kind of neurology. Grocery stores are the worst, so I imagine if things weren't lined up, how much worse that those places would be. Imagine, you know, all the, yeah, all the noise, <laughs> and then people just like looking through, yeah, <laughs> just be chaotic, you know. But I do find that, it's, it's like if you look at what some professionals say about autistic people, it's like, oh, they're trying to put order on a chaotic world. It's like, well... That's just a very human thing that we've done, you know, throughout human history, you know. So that's what we do. And I, do, I, I think, again, when people look at autistic behavior, they're looking at human behavior, really, under a microscope. They just kind of forget that we're human. Like, you know, that seems to be a common theme. Oh, look at what these autistic people do. They line stuff up and they kind of forget that they also do that, which is kind of the point of the article as well. It's like, you know, they often don't don't look at themselves. Um or see what the, you know how their behavior is actually just very the same same as ours. Yeah. You wrote this article on behalf behalf of your company. Uh, awesome. What is yeah. what is the mission uh, of your company? Yeah, we have a small little mission. It's to change the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always had big plans uh, and big ambitions, but yeah, you know, and in all seriousness, it, it is really about changing this very negative story that has been told for you know around a century about autism because autistic people have been left out of that discussion up until now and look let's be you know still now we're left out of a lot of it um you know a lot of this information that's out there is just nonsense it's just like it is i mean that's you know it is just ridiculous like the more you look at stuff you know the the more ridiculous things sound and it's it is you know I'm, I'm reading a book on trauma at the moment and i'm like it's all here it's like literally all the stuff it's in the book you know and it's just been ignored by these autism professionals and autism experts so you know our mission at awesome training is to uh you know i suppose you know give people the correct information the most up-to-date information actually helpful information that will help you know if they're a parent that they can you know um actually do the right thing by their child uh you know accept their child we you know we do 
we have courses, we have different webinars that are recorded that people can do anytime. We have some live online training as well. Um, like one of my main things is, is is social skills because my background would have been like teaching drama and communication. So when I found out I was autistic, I you know wrote a course for kids, basically kind of. Uh, how to interpret non-autistic language and that has developed obviously over the past seven years so you know it's about teaching people that actually autistic people have our own way of communicating here's what it's like you can learn about it we'll meet each other halfway there is absolutely no need to be trying to you know mold us into non-autistic communicators because we're never going to be that um you know we have to be ourselves so it is about really changing that negative story and empowering autistic people and empowering parents and professionals and just giving people like good quality information um all of our training is like designed by autistic people and, and delivered by autistic people so we're, we're an all autistic organization mm. and i and i see in your talking about quality information i see in your background you have this beautiful uh banner that's uh the awesome conference uh, I'd assume that's about getting information out to people. Yeah, well, yeah. I, this is something I did, like in Ireland, two years ago. You know, we never had a um, an autism conference that was held by autistic people with just autistic speakers. So, you know, I think we were just, you know, again, I got fed up. I was like, I'm not going to any more autism conferences with the token autistic speaker and oh, this, you know, just this professionals talking over us and all of this kind of stuff and it just it just got too triggering so i just you know what let's organize our own so i did and um you know it was a obviously a huge task but um it was really successful so we, we did that two years ago and obviously then this well 2020 we had to we had to postpone it and then do it online but um it is about creating a platform for autistic people to you know share our experiences but also our expertise you know i mean like a lot of us are professionals a lot of us have our you know a lot of us have autism as a special interest we have a lot, you know, lots of i mean i don't know the stuff i know about autism and because i just am autistic you know i've done a lot of research and reading over the past seven years you know so it's about sharing that really you know with 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 people who i think who value it because obviously it's not always what other people want to hear you know, because we're going against the the grain, aren't we? We're going against the the narrative that's already there. So some people aren't ready to hear what we're saying yet. And if our listeners want to learn more about Awesome, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, uh, we've just actually launched our new website. So it's uh, Awesome. That's a u s o m e training dot com. Um, so. We have lots of resources there, lots of blogs, so they can read the article that you're talking about and lots of other ones and all of our trainings available there. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram as well. But yeah, probably the website's the easiest thing for people to go and get all our information on. Well, Eveline, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for joining me today. And as soon as I'm done, I'm going to make sure to line some things up. <laughs> Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks so much to Eveline for the conversation. To learn more about Eveline and Awesome, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. You can also find a link to book a free call to learn how Autism Personal Coach can help you reduce your daily overwhelm and get the things you need and want in your life. So book a call with me today. 
If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will talk about medicine and the autistic community. Talk to you then.